few days ago, as uh, we were sitting in our home, my wife had cooked this beautiful meal for us as a family, and we're setting the table up, we get the kids up at the table, um, we're bringing out this meal that my wife has slaved over in the kitchen for us, and it was this beautiful gourmet meatballs with uh, this homemade sauce on top, and there was a few bits of cheese on the top, which was melting into it all. And there was a side of, there was a flatbread on the side, side of broccoli, who likes broccoli? Woo, the hands go up good. And we bring this beautiful looking meal out to the table, and there is a voice from the table that says, Ooh, disgusting! Bit of an inappropriate response, isn't it? I hope none of you say that to your mum about the meals that she makes. Sometimes the responses that we make are inappropriate. So I come home from work one day and I can see my wife's upset, a few tears running down the cheeks. And how many of you guys are, like, engaged, or hopefully will be engaged sometime in the future? Right? Or oh, just two? Oh, there you go. How many so, so, so I, I get in, and I see my wife's upset, and I say, what's wrong? And she tells me what it is that's upsetting her, and my response is, to say, okay, let me fix that for you. Right? Or, or maybe you should have done this, or you should have done that. Now, after 10 years of marriage, I finally learned that's an inappropriate response. <laughs> because my wife is not looking for me to fix her problems. She's looking for me to love her. So an appropriate response would be to come here, give me a cuddle, and man, I'm really feeling for you right now. That would be an appropriate response. Okay, so just a little tip for you guys out there who want to get married one day. Your wife's not particularly looking for you to generally fix all of her issues, but to care and to love for them. That's what the Bible tells us to do, right? Okay, so a little tip there. There are appropriate and inappropriate responses to certain situations and certain things and certain people. So, if you're engaged, you're sitting across the table, and she says to you, right, I love you. Do you love me? And you say, yeah. <laughs> Not an appropriate response at that time, is it? But there are, there are certain situations that we get ourselves into where there is a clear response that would be appropriate and a clear response that many responses probably that are inappropriate. So the question that I want, I've been given to ask and address this morning, what is an appropriate response to God? Right, we've been going through this camp, we've looked at the doctrine of humanity, who are we? We've looked at 
the doctrine of God, who is God. We've looked at God's response or God's action, right? That's better. To us. How do we respond to that? Because God's love, which is what Toby talked about last night, demands that we respond one way or another. You cannot passively not respond. Everyone who hears that God loves them, everyone who hears the gospel must respond one way or another. And there are only appropriate responses and inappropriate ones. And one of the things that you find as you read through the Gospels is there are a lot of inappropriate responses to who Jesus is. And so Jesus is teaching. One day he's talking about himself as the bread of life. He's just fed the 5,000 with these, right, these loaves and fish, and he's spread them out, and he's given thanks, and all these people have eaten. And then he says, I am the bread of life. And... The bread that I give for the life of this world is my flesh. And we read, and many people left. They no longer followed him anymore. That's one response. Jesus at that point turns to the, apostle, the apostles who are with him, his disciples, and he says, do you guys want to leave as well? And Peter says, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words of eternal life. Two completely different responses to Jesus. So, what is the right response to God? Well, there's a passage in the Bible that I want us to uh, turn our attention to this morning that's going to help us uh, unpack this question. And it addresses it head on. So, if you've got your Bible, you can turn with me to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. And just while you're turning there, let me give you a little bit of context, because we're not going to be able to go through this entire passage, it's a long one. So let me give you a bit of context about what's going on here. So this is about 50 days after Jesus had died and been raised again to life. And Jesus has spent some time in his resurrected body with his disciples. He's then ascended into heaven. And then a few days later, all his disciples and all the believers are in one place together. And something crazy happens, right? The Spirit of God is poured out. And the Spirit of God fills people, his disciples. And there's something kind of strange that happens because people begin to speak and they're trying to proclaim things to each other. And all these people are there gathered from different nations who have different uh, tongues or different uh, languages that they all, right? Their native languages are all different. And they all hear the message being spoken in their own native tongue. And there are some people who are watching all this unfold. And, and, and hearing, hey, there's all sorts of languages going on here. What's going on? And... These people who are listening on going, man, these guys are off their faces. Right? These guys are drunk. What is going on? And so Peter stands up to address all of this, and he stands up in front of this big crowd, and he just says, guys, 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 hey, they're not drunk. Okay? It's only 9 o'clock in the morning. They're not drunk. Um, in fact, let me explain to you what's going on here. 
And then he points them back to the prophet Joel. And he says, God is fulfilling what he promised to fulfill through the prophet Joel many, many years ago. That God would pour out his spirit and fill people, men, women, and children. This is what's going on here. And then he begins to unpack the gospel and he speaks about what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. So this is where we pick up in verse 22. And Peter says, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. Here is what God has done. It was God's plan to send Jesus for you. That was God's response of love, right? Now, he goes on to say, right, here's what God has done. Now, now look at the doctrine of humanity here. Verse, this is the second half of verse 23. You crucified and killed him by the hands of sinful or lawless men. Here is God acting in love, sending Jesus, and here's what you guys did. You, you killed him. God acts again. Verse 24. But God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. Skip down to verse 32. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. Skip to verse 36. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you have crucified. So Peter gets up to address what's going on. He says, uh, God is pouring out his spirit. God has acted. He has sent his son, Jesus, and you guys killed him. Jesus died, but he was raised to life, and he's now with the Father. And Peter wants to point out to them, he is the Lord. He is the Christ. He is the anointed one. He is the sent one. So, in other words, here is who Jesus really is. Here is the gospel. Here is, the, here is God's action towards us in Jesus. And now look at what happens here. Verse 37. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. It's worth noting here that the Spirit of God is working in their hearts. Because some people, we read in the, in the Scriptures, and even in your experience today, some people will hear the gospel message and they'll turn away. These men hear the gospel message and they're cut to the heart. 
Right? The Spirit of God is working in them, and they're convicted of their sin, which is a work of the Spirit of God. So they're cut to the heart, and then they say, the second half of verse 37, they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, and here they serve it up to Peter on a platter, this question, brothers, what shall we do? There it is. How should we respond? What are we to do about this gospel message? We've heard it. What do we do about it? How do we respond to this? What's the appropriate way to respond to God? And Peter says, well, I'm glad you've asked. Let me tell you, verse 38. And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. So they say, what do we do? How do we respond to God? And Peter says, repent and be baptized. What is it to repent? What is repentance, really? We, we, this is kind of Christianese, right? We talk about repentance. What is it? Literally, repentance is to turn around. It is to change direction. It is to change your thoughts about yourself, to change your thoughts about who God is. So I was... Um, visiting someone in our church just last week. And it had been a little while since I'd been to visit this particular couple. And um, I was going down the road. I knew I was on the right road. And I was traveling along to where I thought their house was. And I sort of thought, oh, it's probably about five minutes down this road. And I kept driving and I kept driving. Now I'm like, um, it's like 10 minutes in. I'm still down this road. And I'm like, well, am I going the right way? I'm not sure. Well, I'll just keep going a little bit further. Maybe, maybe if I just keep going, I'll, I'll finally make it and I'll, and I'll get there. So I was driving along the road. I was looking at the time going, I'm, I'm sure. And now I'm passing schools and stuff that I've never seen in my life. Okay, I don't think I'm going the right way. So I actually had to stop the car and go, all right, I must be back the other way. And I turned around and I started heading back down the same road that I'd just been on. Eventually I found the house. <laughs> I'd already passed it. But I had to repent and go in the other direction. I had to turn around from what was a wrong direction and turn to what was the right direction. This is what repentance is. It's a turning away from something towards something else. It's a turning away from our sin in our old life and turning our face towards Jesus Christ. That is repentance. So, Actually, faith and repentance are two sides of the same coin. You cannot have repentance without faith, and you cannot have faith without repentance. Because you've got to turn away from something to something else. You've got to turn away from your sin towards Jesus Christ. If you're turning away from your sin, and you're not turning to Jesus, what are you turning to? More sin? 
If I just turn over here, oh, I'm going down on another wrong path, right? So if you're repenting, you're turning away from sin, you've got to turn towards Jesus, and that's the faith aspect, right? So faith is involved in repentance, and repentance is involved in faith. So Peter says the appropriate response to God is to repent. Turn around. Turn to Jesus. And then he says you need to be baptized. Now, why would he say that? There are other times in the scriptures where we read uh, the appropriate response is to repent and believe. Here Peter says repent and be baptized. Why baptized? Are you telling me, Peter, that I must be baptized in order to be saved? Here's what I think is happening here. Baptism is the way that someone demonstrates their repentance. And it's the way that someone demonstrates their faith in Jesus as well. This is why he says you need to be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. When you are baptized, right, you go under the water... You're showing, I have died with Christ. I'm dead to that old way of life. I'm dead to sin, and I'm raised up to new life in Christ. It shows, it demonstrates repentance. And so, I don't believe that baptism causes forgiveness of sins, but it is the standard way that someone demonstrates that. And in the early church, in the New Testament church, in the book of Acts, what you find is faith and repentance and baptism go hand in hand together. And so when you read through the book of Acts, the timing of baptism, when someone comes to faith, they're almost immediately baptized. There's none of this like, hey, let's wait six months or a year later down the track. It's like, hey, I've come to faith, I've come to Jesus, and now I'm getting baptized. Which is why on this very same day they get baptized. And so in the New Testament, in, the, in Acts especially, you find that when someone comes to faith, when someone repents, they're baptized immediately. So, so when, when they talk about baptism in the New Testament church, it's like you can talk about faith and baptism being on the same breath, because it's together. And so these people that Peter is talking to are told, how do we respond? You respond by faith or by repentance and Baptism, which demonstrates your faith and your repentance. And so these people receive Jesus, their sins are forgiven, they're baptized, which is a sign of their repentance from sin, and about 3,000 of them this particular day are added, it says, added. Added to what? They're added to the church. This is like the beginnings, the birth of the church where the Spirit of God is indwelling His church and they're added to this body of believers. And so this is the initial response to God. Right? Repentance, faith in Jesus, baptism, which adds you to the church. Now, there is a danger in the way that we're talking about our response in that we think if we just talk about, hey, you've got to 
do this. You've got to turn around. You've got to turn to Jesus. And we begin to think, and if we begin to talk long enough like that, it begins to say, hey, you've got to do something for your salvation. But what the Bible teaches is that Christ has done all for our salvation. And we receive that, what Christ has done for us. We receive Christ by faith. And the way that the Bible talks is that faith and repentance are both commanded, but they're also given as gifts. So repentance in the Bible is also talking about as a gift of God. This too is a gift. So it's commanded. We've we, we got to do that, but it's also a gift. And so in Jesus Christ, God does all we need to be saved by, by responding in repentance and in faith, which is a gift of God. We are justified. We're made right with God. And we are added to the church. So the response from us is not, hey, try harder, right? Turn away from sin. Try harder to stop yourself sinning. Um, just try and be a better person. None of that works. It leads to legalism, leads to works, righteousness. Um, it is just to receive that by faith and repentance. And so the only right response to God is a heart of faith demonstrated in baptism. So they were cut to the heart, right? This is a heart issue. External works don't, don't do anything. This has got to come from within. It's a heart issue. So I was um, in my early 20s, would have been probably about 22. I was doing my electrical apprenticeship, and I was sitting in the work van alongside uh, one of my colleagues, and he was just a couple of years older than me. And we got chatting. He knew that uh, I was a Christian. He knew that I went to church because we had to go and call on the weekends. And often I'd go, oh, I've got to, I've got to go to church on Sunday. And he sat in the van one day and said, why do you go to church? And I can't remember the full answer I gave him. I said something about, hey, it's really important for Christians to, to be in, you know, around each other so that we can encourage each other in the faith. And and uh, he continued to ask me a few other questions. And then, out of the blue, he said, so do you think I'm going to hell? So here I am, 22 years old. Ooh, what do you say to that? Am I going to hell? So I responded the best way I thought I could, and that was by saying, well, here's what the Bible says. <laughs> I don't want to tell you what I think. Let me tell you what the Bible says. The Bible says that you must believe in Jesus. And his response was, oh, I believe in Jesus. I, I, I had these teachers that used to come to my school, and they would teach me stories about the Bible. Yeah, yeah, I, I know this guy, Jesus. I, I believe in him. Except I know that he didn't have his faith in Jesus. Far from it, right? Because I knew that there was no repentance in his life. He had not turned to Jesus he was still tracking down this other track. I, I, I knew the kinds of things that he was doing with his life. And he had no demonstration of repentance. He had no demonstration by baptism of any of that. There must be an appropriate response 
And all I saw in his life was inappropriate response. And so Peter says, a faithful and appropriate response is to repent, is to turn to Jesus and to show that in an act of baptism. And let me say this, if you are here and you've put your faith in Jesus and you haven't been baptized, it's something you need to think about. Something you need to think about doing. This is what the apostles commanded people to be baptized. It is the way that we demonstrate our union with Christ and our entrance into the church. So there's an initial response. Right, we've talked enough about that. Repentance, turning to Jesus. That should be clear from now. I've said it, I feel like, too many times already. But there's also a secondary response. And it's an ongoing response. Right? Baptism kind of happens once. But then what do we do as Christians? Well, he says in verse 42, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So Peter here, or not Peter, this is Luke, the person who wrote the book of Acts, teaches us here, the appropriate response, an ongoing response, is to dedicate yourself to the apostles' teaching. Now, how do we do that? Where do we find the apostles' teaching? It's in here, right? We dedicate ourselves to this, to the study of this. We dedicate ourselves to hearing good teaching from this. And he says, you've got to also dedicate yourself to the fellowship with other Christians. Where do you find that? In the church. Which is where you also find the next two things. Dedicate yourselves to the breaking of bread. Dedicate yourselves to prayer. And he continues on and he says, you've got to dedicate yourself. This is what these people had in common. They had all things in common. They shared together. They had generous hearts. They were praising God together. Which is what we've been doing this morning, right? We've been praising. We've been worshiping. This is a correct and good response to God. So we've got to dedicate ourselves to the teaching of the word to the breaking of bread, to prayers, which we all find in the church. Notice that they were doing all these things together. There was no individual, just me and Jesus. It was us and Jesus, and we're doing this together, and we're worshiping together, we're breaking bread together, we're, we're, we're preaching each other the word of God together, teaching each other. So basically... He says, correct and appropriate response to God, repentance, turn to Jesus, and dedicate yourself to the church. Now, why is the church so important? 
Because it's the way that God has designed us to grow as Christians. To be in a community where we mutually encourage each other, where we reorient our lives through worship, and where we use our spiritual gifts to benefit one another. Did you realize that? That your spiritual gifts are not given to you for yourself. They're given to you to share with the church for the mutual benefit of others. And so... This is the place that God has designed primarily, there are other ways, but primarily the church is the place that God has designed to grow you. It's a place of sanctification, big word, right? Your growth and holiness. Now, as my, I spent five years as an electrician, and one of the things that I was involved in quite a lot was house renovations. And... Often, if someone's renovating a house, it can take quite a long time, especially if you're doing the entire house. If it's just one bedroom, not too bad. Doing the entire house takes a long time. And so you move all the furniture out of one bedroom, and you begin to uh, rip up the old carpet. You begin to bash out some walls that you might not want there. You take off the old tatty wallpaper, and you go to town and making all these changes, and you pull the jib off if it's, if it's done, you know, done badly or whatever, and you begin to put up the new stuff. Now, when you choose to put up the new stuff, you're going to start putting stuff up that you like. Right? It's the stuff that you, you want to make this home your home with your tastes and your choices, the way that you would do it, so that when you're finished with that bedroom, you go, yeah, this, this is the way that I like it, and now we can move to the next room. And if you continue to renovate for long enough and you update electrical wires and you up put in the new carpet and the new wallpaper and the new paint and the, you know, bash out some new walls or put up some new walls, that there comes a point where there's probably nothing in the house that your hands have not touched. And so the house becomes yours, right? It has your tastes. It has uh, the design that you want it to have. Now, this is what Jesus does for us. When he moves into our lives... He begins to go to work to renovate our hearts. And he begins to say that you and I are the homes of the old worn-out carpets, the tatty wallpapers and the curtains that need to be pulled down. And he begins to make us a home fit for himself with his tastes and his desires so that his desires become our desires and his tastes become our tastes. And this is the process of what we call sanctification, our growth and holiness, our, our move to be more and more Christ-like as he begins to go to work in us to make us a home fit for himself. And this process of God working in our lives is primarily done through the church. This is where we hear the preaching of the word. This is where we worship community. This is where we take communion and we break bread together. This is where there's communal prayer. This is where all of these things happen. And so God designed it that way. That that would be the way that we would primarily grow. So Peter, the, the apostles here say, right, this is an appropriate response to God that you dedicate yourself to the church. Dedicate yourself to its teaching. You dedicate yourself to its worship. So, 
All of that to say, like, what is a good and correct and appropriate response to God's love? The appropriate response to God is to turn to Jesus and devote yourself to the church. So there's an initial response. Repent, believe, be baptized. Secondary response, which is an ongoing response. Continue to grow. Continue to put yourself under good teaching. Continue to worship. And so this weekend, we've looked at who God is. We've looked at who we are. We've looked at God's response. And despite who you are, God has responded to you and I in love. We know we're sinners. No, we don't deserve that. But God has responded to us in love. So the question for you this morning is, how are you responding to Jesus? Are you stirred up to obedience and to worship? Or are you responding inappropriately? If Jesus was to sit right down next to you this morning, I think he would say this, I love you. I love you. But the next question might be, do you love me? I hope your response is not, eh. Because that would be an inappropriate response. Perhaps it would be good for us just to spend a moment reflecting on that. Perhaps if you all just bow your heads now and just to think about your own relationship with God, how are you responding? Think about the way that you've been in the last few months. Are you responding appropriately to God's love? And maybe there needs to be some repentance this morning. turn from the way you've been tracking and say, no, I need to turn myself back towards my Savior. I need to turn myself back towards the face of Jesus. And I need to put myself in a place where I can hear the good teaching, where I can continue to grow, where I can grow closer to Jesus and I can worship Him. So I'm going to give you 30 seconds or so and then I'll close in prayer. Father, we thank you for all that you have done for us in Jesus Christ. You have pursued us in love. You've sent your son, Jesus, despite who we are as sinners, to die for us in our place. The ultimate show of love. And Lord, we confess that at times we have not responded appropriately. We have failed to repent at times, and we ask for your forgiveness. Lord, we desire to turn away from sin and from our old lives and turn to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him 
endured the cross, scorning his shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the Father. Lord, may we respond appropriately. Would we turn our face to you? Would we turn our face to worship? Would we be cut to the heart when we go down the wrong track? And we would respond in repentance and turning to Jesus in faith and by dedicating ourselves to a place where we would be growing and be strengthened as Christians in your church. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.